Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at the Well Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. I want to share just a few moments with you regarding the cross. and Following that, we'll partake in communion together. It's an act of worship and remembrance of what the Lord has done for us. But we're going to survey the cross ourselves in just a few moments to consider what he's done for us. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, the Apostle Paul said, but God forbid that I should boast, or one translation would say glory, in anything except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He made a huge separation, a severance there for us to the cross. But Paul was literally saying, this is what the cross means to me. I glory in the cross. I glory in nothing but the cross. If you think about the Apostle Paul and knowing anything of his pedigree or knowing anything of his history, knowing anything about his life, there's a lot of things he could have gloried in. He could have gloried in his education. He could have gloried in his languages. He spoke five different languages fluently. He could have uh, gloried in numerous things about himself, his citizenship, his ranking. He he was a high-ranking official. He could have gloried in even his future and even from his, his origin of the tribe in which he came from. And he had literally told us he would not glory in that. He counted all that rubbish, uh, but to know Jesus Christ. He could have also gloried in the virgin conception and the birth of Jesus Christ. He could have gloried in the resurrection. He could have gloried in, in miracles and healings. He could have gloried in the stripes and the beatings that he took, but he gloried only in the cross of Jesus Christ. What have others said about the cross? Mother Teresa said, I owe it all to the cross. Owe it all to the cross. Nobel Prize winner. One would said, it costs God nothing, so far as we know, to create nice things, but to convert rebellious wills cost him crucifixion. CSW. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on a tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Peter, that's what he said about the cross. What does the cross mean to you? It is the cross that Christian is challenged to follow his master. No path of redemption can make a detour around it. We're called to the cross. To truly be a Christian or a follower of Jesus Christ, we must, by all means, go through the cross. Not just to the cross, but through the cross. When you come to the cross, you face it. When you go through the cross, you carry it. It becomes a part of who you are. The late evangelist Steve Hill said, religion is hanging out around the cross Christianity is getting up on the cross. Before we further survey the cross, let's reflect on where Jesus had been 
just in that last week. The last five days, where had Jesus been? Now, here he is on the cross, carrying the cross, coming to the night that we call Good Friday, which we celebrate and have memorial towards as we are tonight. Where had he been? I think you know this. That night, he was in prison. Spent the night in prison. He had been beaten, put on trial. I'm going to go backwards to where he was a week earlier. He was beaten, put on trial, sweating great drops of blood while praying in a garden with his closest friends, sleeping. He had had his last supper with friends. Matter of fact, I see nowhere until he's on the cross that they offered him anything to eat or drink. And it was sour. That's vinegar. He was being betrayed by one. He had been cleansing the temple that had become the den of thieves. And he was riding into town on a donkey and a colt. Jesus had had a bad week, a tough week, a difficult week. I'm not sure what kind of week you had. I know a good bit about my week, but really we're here to think about Jesus. He had a tough week. To go through something so excruciating, so costly, so painful, so abusive, you would think that one would need all of their energy stored up and their abilities and all their faculties and all their nervous system in order. Friends, he gave his all. This wasn't the first time he gave his all. He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He had died many deaths coming to this one death. We got all of Jesus. Amen. He had a tough week. Now he's facing the crucifixion. I'm sure you're somewhat aware of this, but you don't ever want to start leaving out truth, realization, or even revelation of things that we find in the Bible. Too many things have slipped out of the hands of the church, not of the messages of the preachers. But the crucifixion was a method of capital punishment in which a victim would be tied or nailed, and in this case, Jesus' case, nailed to a large wooden cross or beam, and to be left to hang until eventual death. Cruelty would sum it up, even for a guilty man, but he was not guilty. Severe cruelty, hardship, unfair. You could put all the words that you could imagine. I would hope that you would imagine some, that you would take a reflection of the cross, and, and what does it say to you? Someone once said if he, would have, if he would have done this 50 years ago, instead of wearing crosses, we could have wore electric chairs around our neck. But he did it on a cross. He did it on a cross. So let's survey the cross. I want to share with you seven things. Yay, eight. Seven things that we can gain from the cross. Things we can gain and not just know, not just have knowledge of, but literally uh, allow it to come into our life and, and, and gain favor, gain an advantage and, and to, uh, to appreciate something off of the cross that could affect our lives. Here's one thing that you can gain understanding from the cross. The separation from God is the result of sin. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. 
We find it at the cross in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God was trying to love us, but he couldn't love us because we were sinful. So he sent Jesus in his love because God so loved the world because we were separated from him. And he allowed Jesus to, to breach that gap and to reach over and to, to lay hold of us and to experience the love of God because our sin had separated us. Matthew 27, verse 46, an actual account of the cross at about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama, sapathini. That is my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? When your God forsake him, it's worse than being in prison for one night. It's worse than being beaten up by somebody who knew no better. It's worse than anything that he'd already been through because this is what he was going through. And notice that it stacks all the way to the final thing that he goes through of that pain. It's separation from God. And where does he end up? Where does he end up? Right after that, he ends up yielding up the spirit and literally going to hell. And he said, are you serious? I'm really serious. Matter of fact, you can come Sunday morning and find out more about it. It was prophesied in the book of Psalms, chapter 22, that he would experience this separation. So that's one thing we can gain. It's a great thing to have the comprehension and understanding that sin separates man from God. It hinders, it affects your relationship. Sin affects your thought patterns. It affects your, your, your vision, your, your perception, how you perceive people, how you perceive yourself. It affects relationships and communications. It affects your emotions. Your personality changes when you're in sin. It starts to corrupt and it starts to decay. It results in death. Even Jesus died because of sin. A lot of people don't comprehend and understand that because we think just because we prayed a prayer, we can sin and keep on going and not worry about it. That everything's just covered. No, you have to go to the cross to deal with sin. The second thing that we can gain from the cross is forgiveness. Forgiveness is such an important part of our Christian life and even our heritage is to forgive, but also to be forgiven. And if you haven't been forgiven, you will not be able to forgive. If there's somebody you're struggling with forgiving, it's because there's something that hasn't been forgiven, like the attitude that you might have towards the one that you need to forgive that you won't forgive. Unforgiveness is a sin. You think you just have issues with people and struggling with forgiving them. And forgiveness is not always easy. And I know that because a cross doesn't look easy. But the reality is that if you're in need of forgiveness, you must forgive other people their sins. Or your sins will not be forgiven. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verses 16 through 18. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their hearts and in their minds, and I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. I don't know about you, but I've had the tendency or the, the shortcoming or the, the fault in reminding him of my sins. And usually I remind him of my sins because I'm reminding myself of my sins. He said he remembers them. He said, I will not remember them. He doesn't forget. He knows all things. He chooses not to remember. So when that offense and the one who's been offending you and the one that you need to forgive, maybe take the nature and the path of God. Say, I choose not to remember this. Bear no record, right? Their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin taken care of. The third thing that we can give from the cross, this one's going to be sound maybe a little strange to you, but success, success. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. That's success. He succeeded at what he was called to live and to do. Now he has to die so he can experience the success of God and be raised from the dead. I remember my early stages of being a Christian. When I just first come to Christ, I was in a bunk bed and I said, I'll stay in this program, but I need your help. That's all I said. And something happened in my life as a Christian discipleship program. And in that bunk bed, everything changed, my perspective, my, because the helper came and connected to me. Oh, I've prayed the prayers, the sinner's prayer and all those prayers many times throughout after that. But something changed that night when I just asked for help. But then I got going in that program and I got a hold of Jesus. Jesus got a hold of me and I was ready to go save the world. Three, four months into the program, five, six months. And then the gentleman who was leading the program, Jim Summers, the founder of it, he looked at me and said, don't you think that when God sent you here, he knew it was a 13-month program? <laughs> Laugh as you may. You'll be sitting in my office before long. <laughs> don't you think he knew it'd take living this life to get to heaven? Yeah, You're not done. I'm not done. We're not done yet. We got to be finishers. And the best thing that happened to me out of that was I finished the program. It was the first thing I'd finished in years. I failed out of college and got kicked out of college. I can't remember which one came first, but I did both of them. <laughs> got kicked out of the Marine, Marine Corps. Could not finish anything. Lost jobs, quit jobs, left jobs, forgot I had jobs. I was a failure. I was incomplete. I was not successful. But Jesus finished the course. Success comes through the cross. I'm sure there's jobs or relationships you want to quit right now. Success comes through the cross. The fourth thing that you can gain from the cross is love. 
In John 15, verse 13 through 14, greater love, greater love has no one than this. So when we look to the cross, we see the greatness of love. Why? Because it goes on to say, then to lay down one's life for his friends. Friends, he came here in love. Well, you need to understand, if you look at the picture of laying down, coming down is laying down. He laid down his deity, his sovereignty. He was at the throne already. And he came down. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus came in love. And love became known to us through Jesus Christ. He said, no greater love. So when you look at the cross, it's quite easy to start thinking about the abusers, the Roman soldiers. It's, it's quite easy to be thinking about the disciples who, who got nervous and denied him. Matter of fact, we always give Peter a bad rap and he's, he's recognized in there, but it says all of them left him. All of them left him. It's easy to get your eyes on all the other things, but don't miss the package of love. That was love on the cross. The cross was love. One writer said, Christmas and Easter can easily be found in poetry, but Good Friday, too horrible, too severe to be found in common poetry. But that was love. Sometimes we see it without seeing it without seeing the love that was in there. He goes on, he says, greater love is no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. I think there's something interesting here to consider the cross. It would be a, a, a B, a B a, an A or a B subtitle of getting the love here, but friendship comes through the cross. That's interesting. How many friends we have that have no cross on their back? How many friends we have that have not ever seen the work of the effect or embraced the effect of the cross? True friendship, true friendship, biblical, spiritual, comes to the cross. He introduces that you can become my friend. You say, yeah, but that sounds like command and authority. No, no, his command was, if anyone desires to follow me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. Our friendship with Jesus should be centered upon the cross. You have friends. I have friends. Some of you may have friends that you do a sporting event with. Some of you may have friends that you do a book club with. Some of you may have friends that you attend church with. But Jesus has given a higher level of friendship that literally comes to the cross. We need to maybe take away this evening the importance of the cross in our relationships. I've found many people have a husband or a wife, but they don't have a friendship in that relationship. Meet at the cross. The cross promises us friendship that is based upon love. I'm sure you have friends that you're not sure whether you love them because there's points you struggle with even liking them. 
I know that I can be that way. But what a fresh perspective to see all things through the cross. The cross invites us to be friends. The fifth thing that we can gain from the cross is suffering. Matter of fact, long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. Now keep in mind the Spirit involvement of the cross. For just a moment, we'll get to it and allow you to see something that is very helpful. Suffering. We aren't prone to want to suffer. Is there the possibility that some of the suffering that we're occurring, that we're experiencing... And we're like, I don't know why I have so much suffering. Could be because of all the suffering we neglected and rejected when we didn't choose the cross and we chose our own path. You say, well, that's mean. No, it's not mean. He knows there's only some things you can learn through suffering that you'd never learn through protecting and overloving yourself. So the next time you're experiencing suffering... Strap up. Get nailed to the cross. And allow him to teach you, to do in you, to allow you to become like Christ. The cross gives us opportunities to suffer with Christ. Now, Paul experienced that. Remember, he only gloried in the cross, but Paul literally said that he was going to have the fellowship of resurrection only because of the result of fellowship of suffering. So what he was saying without saying it, I'm going to lay hold of the cross. I'm going to let them put a nail in this hand, a nail in my feet, and a nail in another. I'm going to suffer in this time. Suffering is not something to dodge. As the one quote that I shared all Christianity must go through the cross. And if it's a fruit, we ought to be bearing it. Amen? Hebrews 13, 12. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside of the gate. Could you imagine for a moment? The city you're coming back to, the one you're building, the ones your blood is purchasing, a new Jerusalem, they said, you can't die here. You can't stay here. We're kicking you out of your city. We're kicking you out of our home. When you put Jesus back on the cross, when I put Jesus back on the cross, it's as much as saying, I kick you out. He had to suffer outside of the gate. No comfort zone whatsoever. It's as if the suffering was being agitated or exaggerated to an nth degree that maybe, perhaps, I don't know, that I might say, enough's enough, all right? I'm not leaving here. I'm staying here. I don't know where the buck stops. But thank goodness it didn't stop with him till it was finished. Long suffering. Maybe you write that down somewhere. 
Ask the Lord for a short abbreviated course in it. See what he does. I don't know. All things are possible with him. But there's one thing that he doesn't reject is the results and the evidence of suffering is brokenness. Contrite spirit. He will not reject that. He will not. And listen, if this life is only a vapor, that suffering is probably not as long as it could be and definitely as it should be because all of us are due an eternal hell, damnation, if it weren't for the cross. Come on, somebody. Give him a praise for that one. Number six, sanctification. He just mentioned it. I'll read that verse again. Therefore, Jesus also, along with that he might sanctify the people. So when he's at the cross, he's doing it with you and I in mind. And not just, listen to me, listen to me, not just to forgive us, not just to cleanse us, but to sanctify us. The cross sets you apart. It gets you sanctioned. It gets you set apart for the kingdom of God. Have you ever noticed that a, that a cross kind of has a sword picture to it? You know, the way that it's handled, the sword is used. But I also see a key that it unlocks and it opens up and allows you in or out of so you can get into. Then Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16, 24 through 26, then Jesus said to his disciples, said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And notice who he's speaking to, the disciples. They're already followers. They're teachable. They're learning. They're, they've already gone a lot of places with them. They've probably already lost a lot of friends and have gone through a lot of hardships. But he continues to say, listen, don't ever stop and try to save yourself. Or don't try to supplement for yourself. Follow. Forever desires to save his life and lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Isn't it amazing the very thing we want to get free from, he's now inviting us back into? I don't want to be lost. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You know, to be lost is not a good thing. Matter of fact, it's a very dangerous thing. It's a nerve-wracking thing. It's very unsettling. Anybody bear witness to that? Being lost is not fun. I'm just talking about being directionally lost. Location lost. Mentally lost. Confused. It's very unsettling. But now he's saying, you need to lose yourself. So the enemy has taken another great thing of God that he knows that we're supposed to be lost in him. Notice this. When you're in worship, you ought to be lost in his presence. Nobody else matters. You don't care that they're thinking about how you sound or what you look like. Because if you're not, you're misdirected. You're looking somewhere else. You're not looking through the cross. You're not looking to the Savior. You're not looking, and you cannot look into God without looking through the cross. Jesus is the door. He's the way. He's the truth. We worship him in spirit and in truth. There's spirit again. We'll get to the spirit in a second. But the enemy thought, oh, up there in worship, I know what I can do. I can take 
principles of God, truths of God, and I can manipulate them, and they can be so effective. How many of y'all were a little bit more lost than you are saved? Remember those? Oh, come on now, somebody. I mean, nobody had to tell you to hoot and holler on Friday or Saturday night, right? And you get in here, we got to go, hey, just come on, clap your hands, shout to God. I'm a firm believer. If I'm not as yielded to righteousness as I was to unrighteousness, I'm not converted. Come on. Now, now let me, you don't have to raise your hand, but is there anybody in here who's a little bit more wild when you were unsaved lost than you are lost in his presence? <laughs> okay. Some of y'all are smiling out like a mule eating briar, as they say. Forever loses his life for my sake will find it. You mean to tell me if I get lost in his presence? You mean to tell me if I get lost in loving him, I'm going to find my life? Oh, you just sang it. He will cover you with destiny. I've got good news for you. You ain't who he made you to be yet. You and I can still become who he created us to be. Greater days and greater things are ahead of us because we're getting ready to lose ourselves so we can find who he created us to be. Wouldn't you like to be that person? For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will it give a man give in exchange for his soul? I remember. I remember, I've shared this numerous times. It's just part of my story. But I remember that night, two doors away from the safest house in the neighborhood for me, two something in the morning, and I was willing to exchange my soul and, and literally verbalized it. Yeah. Satan, I will give you my soul. I don't even know what a soul was, friends. You got one, and sometimes you don't know what it is, but it still knows how to speak. I will give you my soul if you'll give me those drugs. And somehow, some way, who was not there, what was not there, appeared. But somehow, some way, the one who I did not know, had never known before, when I called upon his name, when I simply said, help me, he showed up and he delivered my soul out of the deal that I'd made with the devil himself. I'm here to tell you there's life and life abundantly through the cross, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Number seven, what else can you get? Well, let me just say something about sanctification for just a second. I think this is very, very, very important. I told you earlier that sin separates man from God. The cross separates sin from man. How important is the cross? So many people come to Jesus but never picked up the cross. They come to Jesus and what he did but have no friendship with him because he said, if you pick up the cross, you'll be my friend. If you pick up the cross, that sin won't come back. The cross will be your shield of your past. It'll keep you separated from who you were and keep you mindful of who you're going to be. He endured the cross for the joy that was set in front of him. I don't think for a moment, I don't think for a moment, Jesus, when he was carrying that cross for about a third of a mile, when he's carrying that cross, that he ever thought, oh, I forgot it was on my back. 
Do you? I don't think he did. I don't think for a moment that when Jesus was hanging up there, he thought, it's a good view. There's the best seat in the house. Matter of fact, we have them on a higher cross than all the other ones. I'm king of the hill. I don't think anything like that came to his mind. I think he was cognizantly mindful consistently that he was on the cross and the cross was on him. How often are we unaware of the cross? And when we're not thinking through the cross and we're not living through the cross and we're not boyfriend and girlfriend and through the cross and, and we're anything that you do that you're not doing through the cross, you're being misdirected. Because our mind is not on the way, the truth of life. The way is through the cross. He said, I have to do this. No, no, you don't have to do this. Oh, I have to do it. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. I have to do this. He prophesied. He didn't predict it. He prophesied. He declared. He told him what he was going to do. He had to go through the cross. Anything you do that you don't do through the cross, you got to get back to the cross. Have to get back to the cross. The church has to get back to the cross. It's the cross where we find power. Dominion, rule, whether it's through your emotions whether it's through your flesh, whether it's through your spirit that is angry and frustrated or, or, or deceived and prideful, we have got to come back to the cross. John chapter 12, verse 32. Jesus said, I'm talking about power. Now watch this. Jesus said, and I, if I'm lifted up from the earth will draw all peoples to myself. Now, we have a principle that we use, but we jump over the cross. We do. We take that as a charismatic, Pentecostal, spirit-filled, uh, uh, modern-day worship. If we lift him up, Jesus, Jesus, if we, that he'll draw, that's not what it says here. He said, if, if they take that and lift me up like they take other people and lift them up, if they hang me on that cross... It will give me power. It'll give me a greater influence than I've ever had before. It will give me resurrection power. It'll give me the ability to draw all men unto. I can reach the world if they will lift me up on that cross. Don't get in the way of the cross. Don't try to keep me off the cross. Let me be glorified by being on the cross because the cross gives me power and authority over the prince of the air over the devils of your life, over the demons in your generations. It will set captives free. I must be lifted up. Friends, we need to keep the mindset of the power of the cross. It's not a praise and worship verse. Unless we praise him for being on the cross and worship him because of the cross. Oh, if we could get this. That word power, we're going to see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 18. I'm going to come back to this passage. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. There is power in the cross. In the cross lies the power of God. 
On the cross hung the power of God. That word power, interesting enough in the Greek, is the exact same word of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. After that, you receive the Spirit, you shall receive power. You'll have dominion. It'll make you a witness. It'll make you a messenger. It'll make you like Jesus. Oh, there's a secret power in the cross. Some people struggle and wonder, why am I not miraculous? Because that word means miraculous. Dunamis power is miraculous. Miracle working power. It's a miracle I'm not a drug addict anymore. It's a miracle I'm not a whoremonger. It's a miracle I'm not a thief. It was the work of the cross that miraculously changed my mind, changed my perspective, changed my desires, changed my cravings, changed where I hung out and who I hung out with. The power is miraculous. It transforms. It defeats. It wins. It conquers. It destroys it removes, it washes you clean into where he remembers no more. You want to talk about a miracle? Friends, that's a miracle to realize that God could have the power to choose to not remember 50 years of your life, one million sins in your life, disobedience, cussing him, cursing him, lying, cheating, whatever. Forget it. Oh, I'll tell you how big it is, how miraculous it is. Look what you still remember. The cross has wonder-working power. You say, no, that's the blood, preacher. Friends, there is no cross without the blood. The blood is in the cross. It stained the cross. It left a mark on the cross. I'm here to tell you, there is power in the blood, and there's power in the cross because there's power in the cross, there's power in the blood. Wonder-working power. Miraculous. Matter of fact, that word is overly abundant, more than anything that it would face. You wouldn't have to go to a higher volt battery or to a stronger piece of packed dynamite or to a more powerful weapon of some sort. It has more than anything it'll ever face. I'm here to tell you whatever you're facing, Whatever I'm facing, whatever we're facing, the power of the blood, the power of the cross can conquer. Isn't that interesting? After you receive the spirit, you receive power. There's spirit in the cross. If you could get the spirit of the cross, revelation of the cross, understanding of the cross, you'll have the power of the cross. If you're led by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you carry the cross, you won't return to your past. They both will keep you on the right side and in the right mind and for the right purpose. As I begin to close on this Paul stated it this way. Remember the one who gloried in the cross. For Christ did not send me to baptize. 1 Corinthians 10, 17. 
any other preachers in here, I want to mind you of this one and remind you of this one. He didn't send me to baptize. But we have a tendency to feel like we have a job or an employment as a church, and people see it that way. But our ultimate calling is what he follows up with. He said, he didn't send me to baptize. It's not to say that Paul didn't baptize. He didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with words of wisdom, wisdom of words, lest the cross should be made of no effect. What? What? Is there the possibility that our persuasive words, uh, that, that our uh, uh, ways that we present our words and that we articulate our message, that we could, we could take the effect of the cross out? That's what he's saying. Preachers, people, be careful what you preach. Be careful what you emphasize. Be careful what you present. Don't get in the way of the cross. The cross is where the glory is at. Is where the power is. And when we get in front of the cross and we start to express it and, and, and articulate it in a certain way, oh, such a great preacher. Oh, my goodness, did you hear what he said? Oh, my. When, 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 I just I love it the way he preaches. I think I'm going to go to church there. Well, you don't live there. I'll just watch them online. Be careful, little eyes. What you see. Be careful, little ears, what we hear. Be careful, little people, of what we start to worship. We have got to come back to the cross. It's in the cross. He said that you could be able to cause the cross to not have effect, no effect at all. It's amazing to me today. It really is. Listen for me just a moment. It's amazing how many people are Christians and live more like devils than let alone angels. One third of you agreed with that. It's amazing to me people that are on their way to heaven, but they hang out in hell. It's amazing to me, people that are forgiven but can't forgive. It's amazing to me that people who know the truth can quote you the Bible, but they're so easily deceived. Is there the possibility that somewhere along the line, the preacher started preaching, it's okay? Or they started to leave the, the cross out. And remember, not just the cross that he hung on, but the one he left for you to pick up. Amen? It, it's concerning to me what will amen and then what will owe me. It's concerning to me that what will yes to, but then when it gets down to it, we go stone cold. Well, we don't want to make any response. When no response, it's a response. Because I've come to find out our response determines our results. The most important part of any sermon, of any ministry, is the response. So it's very important that somebody say, let's respond to the cross. 
for the message of the cross is foolishness. Watch this. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, who are being saved, it is the power of God. Watch what he says. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and to bring nothing to the understanding of the prudent. You know, I heard a preacher say one time that the Romans did us more good than we realize. Because the Romans came with all that persecution, and at that time, the Romans were the wise ones. The aqueducts and all the things that they did and all the economy and all the commerce that they built and all the buildings that they built and all the stuff they did, they built all this stuff. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. See, they're still in our history. But while they were shutting down Christianity, they were building roads. They were the first ones to build roads from city to city and to move to these different places. And soon when it came time for the gospel to go, guess what? They had already paved roads for them. God confounded the wise and used the simple to take the gospel around the world. Thank you, Rome. Well, he did a little bit more than that. You see, the Romans thought they knew how to stop problems. He said, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise, by the way? And, and where is the scribe? And where is the disputer of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? I'll complete with this. They thought they were so wise that if they crucified sinners they would stop problems. So they came up with a cross. You'll never steal again. You might be able to kill a thief, but you can't kill stealing. They were trying to kill the sinner, but they couldn't kill the sin because we all have a sin nature. And God said, in your wisdom, I'll take the cross that I already prophesied about before you Romans were even thought about, and I will use that cross that you think you're going to use to stop things, and I won't kill the sinner. I'll kill the sin, and your people can be set free, delivered, and set free from their sin. I can change their sin nature. Listen to me. If you take on a spiritual nature, you can be free from your past theology that you're a sinner saved by grace. What you're saying is, I got a little bit of grace, but I still got some sin left in me. And I still identify with that old nature. No, no. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. He didn't say, he who the Son sets free is still a sinner, and I'll make him free again. He can Listen, little children, he said. He said, I write these things that you sin not. But if you do, you have an advocate for the Father. You see, you're getting in the way of the cross when you're petting the sinner. You're getting in the way of somebody's deliverance and somebody's freedom when you say, you're always going to be like that. That's okay. God understands that. Oh, no, no, no. I just told you about a God who can choose not to remember it. Not a God who says, I'll hang out with it. You can get around the cross all you want. But when you get up on the cross 
and you yoke up with Jesus, you won't walk in sin. You won't walk in deception. And if you were to stumble, he'll pick you up. Though the righteous man falls seven times, the Lord will pick him up. And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You're going to have hardships. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have pain. You're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I got up on that cross, and I overcame sin. I overcame death. I overcame deception. Friends, he said, if I be lifted up, you need to see the lifted up Jesus. The lifted up Jesus. And he will draw you to himself. He will draw you to himself. Why don't you stand for a moment? We're going to serve communion in just a moment. I'm going to turn that part of the service over to Pastor Waylon. I'm sure he has a few words to exhort you with. All I'm asking this morning, this evening, is like Joshua said, as for me, and my house will serve the Lord, as for me, and anything that I have influence in, those and that which I live with, to make a choice. And simply to choose the cross. Simply to choose the cross. Not once. Not once, but daily. Paul, who gloried, said, I die daily. Whenever they talked about death, they said, I'm going to go ahead and crucify myself. You don't have to. You know, I don't have to be lifted up on a cross. I just need to carry one. Because I serve one who was lifted up. But I die to this. I'm here to tell you some people need to die to some religious pride. Some spiritual pride. Let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit. Never speaks of himself. Never. Draws all attention to Jesus. This is a great moment in your life. Who will you serve? Who will you choose? I want to encourage you to choose the Jesus of the cross. The one who bled and died. You can find out more about his resurrection on Sunday morning. But there would be no resurrection if there were not a night on a cross. He didn't just die for you and me. He died for the whole world. He didn't just die for the whole world. He died for God. What a gift. What a precious gift. They've head bowed. Eyes closed. Perhaps you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's sin in your life that needs to be repented of, that you need to be forgiven of, that only the cross can deal with. Maybe you've been wrestling and fighting with a certain sin area in your life. But tonight you just found out the cross can, can deal with it and remove it. I don't know where you stand with the Lord right now. But if tonight you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you want to be born again, you want to be saved, you want to become a child of God, you want to be free of your sin, if that's you tonight, I'll give you the opportunity just to lift your hand where you are and we're going to pray together with you. I see that hand raised. Anybody else tonight you'd like to ask Jesus Christ into your heart? Be born again and saved. Anybody else?
can pray this with me. If you believe it in your heart, he will respond and answer. He already sees your hand asking for help, desiring him. It's not enough just to desire him. Now this is where we pick up the cross. The work that he did for us to become free. Before we pray that prayer, I want to give this opportunity. If you have an area of your life that you need to return to the Lord, tonight you want to experience freedom, that sanctification and being set apart, no longer bound and troubled with. You say, I need forgiveness of sin and I, I need a breakthrough in my life tonight to fully surrender to Christ. Turn your life to him. Fetch you once you raise your hand. We'll pray with you. Yes, 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 yes. Many hands have gone up. Church, let's pray this together because we're all one body. Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for forgiveness that comes through the cross. I ask you tonight to forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, and make me new. Lord Jesus, I choose to follow you, to pick up my cross, and to stay with you. Today is a great day. And I thank you for dying for me to save me. It's in your name I pray. Amen. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we could tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Word of God Himself. And I thank you for the Word that has been heard. I thank you for the Word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.